Hello, and welcome to another episode of On the Corner, the official podcast of PitcherList.com. I'm your host, Eric Smolsky, joined by the the interviewer of the stars, the, uh, the, the, pitch, maven, the pitcher's pitch maven, Nick Pollock. I mean, <laughs> listen, two in-depth pitch mix or just pitch game discussions with mm. MLB pitchers. I mean, it's a, it's a special time to be Nick Pollock right now. Oh, well, thank you, Eric. Uh, we have a third coming. I'm so excited. <laughs> but yeah, if you're unaware, by the way, everyone, um, what is happening? I, I was able to sit down with Pablo Lopez uh, two weeks ago and go pitch by pitch with him uh, from a start this year. He actually whipped out his notebook that he has of everyone. And it's it's incredible. Um, he showed it to me beforehand. He put up to the camera and everything. Showed me the notes and the scribble that he had. Yes, he would also be a doctor. It makes all the sense to me now. <laughs> uh, but it was it was so amazing. It's on YouTube, and we also did one with Aaron Savali uh, last week. Uh, it's not on YouTube yet, but uh, it was a great time as well, and a really, uh, really fun. Just talking about pitch shape and uh, approach, and both of those guys completely different of kind of how mm. they go about it too. Um, and next week, that is uh, on the 27th of December, I'm going to be sitting down with Jameson Tyone, which I cannot uh, wait for. And uh, if anyone was... Uh, you love yourself some Jameson Tyone. Well, I mean, so I, I'm really fortunate to be able to, uh, you know, to, to connect with him a bit. And uh, anyone that has, was watching the stream this week, I actually wrote the entire Cubs rotation article already. Um, but I didn't do Jameson Tyone because I figured, you know what, let me sit down with him first and I can really... Mm-hmm have a better uh, blur for everybody. And I was doing my research on him and I found some like very strange things. And I actually was like, hold on guys, give me a second. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, is this a thing or, you know, whatever. And um, uh, so I'm really looking forward to actually talking to him before the stream a bit and going over those things. And then we're going to talk about it um, on it as well. So you can check that out. Playback.tv slash picture list. It's going to be at 3 p.m. Eastern time on uh, December 27th that's gonna be live and then of course it'll be on youtube uh later in january so check those out but yeah fun stuff eric i'm glad you're able to check it out a little bit yeah i just i didn't see the savali one um i just want to ask you before we get into the nitty-gritty of what we're doing talking about pitchers i'm curious and i think people that are listening are probably curious you know we spend a lot of time especially you and i because we we tend to focus on pitching we spend a lot of time talking to a brick wall talking to the ether about yeah, we're in an armchair about, over here just like yeah, whatever about, yeah. about pitching and pitch mix and pitchers you know should do this or if this guy did that or, or whatever well i'm curious what you like took away from the experience about i know you've talked to people about this obviously you played baseball like you're, you're sure. not just having yeah. these conversations solo but like what was your takeaway with like having that convert that conversation and that level of conversation with an action with an mlb starter yeah. Um, what's really fun is different guys have different strengths and different philosophies. And you don't really, um, you know, there's certainly going to be times where I have my philosophies and they have theirs and it's going to be different. And I can't be like, excuse me, I know what's right. Um, it's interesting because uh, while I'll say, hey, I think maybe try and do this instead of that for them, it's like, yeah, I can't really do that. So, you know, I, I don't believe that I can do that. Or they think, you know, which makes a lot of sense saying, look, this actually works better because of X, Y, and Z, which you're not really taking into account and stuff. And yeah, that makes all the sense. It's rare for me to, um, to have those conversations and hear an argument that just makes zero sense to Mm -hmm. me. Right. I, it has happened. 
And there certainly have been moments actually inside of those interviews. Maybe you can even hear my tone change where it's just absolutely not like not going to happen. This is this is bad. And yeah. And um, those are uh, obviously unfortunate. Um, But I but yeah, it's it's really fun. And it's great to be able to talk to these guys that are receptive to it. You know, especially if you watch the Pablo one, you'll see that he was just um, you know, I think the hardest part for me was there was one moment where I heavily disagree with one pitch call, right? Just one. Sure. But I was like, that's not the one, you know? And I'm like, I don't want to be that guy to him. I, that's so so rude of me to do that. Right. But I also, like, it feels so weird for me to say, hey, um, you should probably shouldn't have thrown that. And like, I know I'm over here. You're there. And Pablo's the best. And he, he kind of he agreed. And he was like, yeah, you know, I didn't think I, I probably didn't take into account the risk reward enough, you know? Yeah. That kind of thing. Um, but there's also the other side of it, which is we read things and we don't really know all the context. And a great example is Aaron Savali going to the Rays and we saw him throw more sinkers the first game. Mm-hmm. And we go, wait a second. Well, the Rays should not be pushing him to throw sinkers. What's going on? So I talked to Aaron. I was like, what's going on? Like, we saw that. That's kind of strange. We would think that you would do this. And he goes, oh, yeah, I was that was a new team for me. I had no idea. I just kind of went in and like whatever worked in the moment, I just kind of did. There's no game plan. There's no conversation. It was just me trying to lock in with my catcher in that moment. And that's that. And like, it just happened to be that. And it's not like something they did. And that makes all the sense. And that's yeah. the kind of nuance and context that I'm adding now to my chamber. Like, cool. I understand that maybe guys switching teams, we should not, you know, sometimes they do make changes right away. Sometimes they don't. You mean uh, so, Lance Lynn throwing 80% fastballs? Yeah, right. Or, uh, <laughs> or even Jack Flaherty throwing a cutter kind of all of a sudden right. and not knowing what that would be, right? Yeah. So little things like that can go go a long way. And then it's also really interesting to hear sometimes. Um, I asked this with Aaron Savali and with Pablo, which I thought was a really fun moment for me, was hearing how each of them thought about the pitch that they were throwing, like where they're going with it. And what was surprised me, I think both of them answered more east west when it mm-hmm. came to their breaking stuff than north south and like i'm just trying to get this away from him for example as opposed to trying to get it down um and that actually i didn't expect to hear twice i expected one person to be like yeah i gotta get this down low because that's where the, these things succeed more in both times like no we're just trying to get it away it's okay it's fine just as yeah. long as the way it's all right and uh and it's maybe like maybe I am overthinking that when it comes to breaking balls. Maybe it is just more important to keep that away. And there, especially with a sweeper, you're just trying to be him horizontally, not not uh, vertically. So maybe that is something I should be taking into account more. But yeah, it's it's fun stuff. Um, and there's always different perspectives, and it's great. Yeah, it's a good learning experience. I highly encourage people who haven't watched, um, you know, watch the videos on YouTube. Even just watch a couple innings worth, you know, just to to hear a major league pitcher talk about what they do in their craft is great. Oh, man. Um, and, and listen, you know, Saris is one of the first people to tell me like, you know, they pitchers want to talk about this stuff. They just want to make sure that they're talking about it with somebody who isn't trying to like, you know, get a gotcha. Like he mentioned that anytime he, he was talking to pitchers about like, Hey, I noticed this stuff p- plus uh, you know, numbers on this pitch aren't good, but you keep throwing it. Like it just, that was not, something that started yeah, conversations right. whereas like just yeah. trying to have a conversation about like hey you know i noticed that you've changed this pitch or hey the, the numbers on this have jumped like what are you doing differently like right. if it's just yeah. a general conversation That's... pitchers want to talk about that and you can learn a lot yeah you know so good at this is also you know so good at just like teaching and saying, mm-hmm. hey, cool, you're trying to this thing. This is something I've learned like to help. You know, that's his first instinct yeah. every time. And it's awesome. Um, I remember I uh, you know, he even like helped out with when we met, uh, met Matthew Boyd 
And it was like, hey, cool. There's this one moment in that, like you actually could have continued that conversation instead of like getting out too soon kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I've learned, uh, I, I've tried at least now um, to say, instead of trying to approach them, be like, hey, why do you do this? That's weird. Um, and instead of like, hey, I just want to have a conversation just to show you what I'm seeing. Like, I don't, you know, I'm not trying to say that this is the right thing, but this is something right. that I see. I'm curious what you think, you know? Yeah. And having that kind of conversation is cooler because it's like, oh, cool. Maybe he did find something that's very interesting. I mean, I can make my decision as opposed to him being like, excuse me, you have to do this. You know, like you're ridiculous. And that's not an attitude anyone, anyone wants. Right. right. Um, and we're not like, so, hey, but your Sierra is this. So yeah. you really should, like, you know, it's just have the conversation. Oh, gosh. Try and Eric, have you noticed how I, I don't think I've maybe maybe once in a picture I've like loosely mentioned FIP or something. Yeah. Uh, um, and I. Oh, I should have mentioned this pitfall in the the article. Oh, I knew I, there were more I wanted to add. Uh, if you guys don't know, I did um um with FTN. Vlad Seller reached out and he was like, "Hey, I had this idea to like, you know, um, uh, I would love to help you out with a guide. I know you don't really write for other places anymore or anything, but also, I was just really curious about pitchless metrics and stuff. And like, I think this is a great opportunity you know, to, to do that. I was like, "Oh man!" And it's so cool for him to let me do that and like in this great public space with FTN Guide. So if you haven't read it. I read, uh, I wrote the, um, the piece for the FTN fantasy guide this year about how to use pitchless metrics nice. and, um, and like the secrets of them. And I made seven pitfalls. Um, and one of them was like using expected bad ball stats. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, don't do that. Don't ever do that for grading a pitch. Like right. it's so ridiculous to me. It drives me up the wall when I hear someone says, but he's got a one seven six Woba and his curveball. Well, you realize that like he only throws his curveball in two strike counts. So then like 60 of the 80 plate appearances that ended were all strikeouts. Like that does not grade it because that's how he uses it. Right. You know, it's all all of that stuff. And we, we will get we I promise people sorry, we will get into talking about pitchers. Thing, yeah. We're going to breeze through but, a lot of these. these but are, it's important. But it's like, important also like I've always said that metrics are all part of a larger story. Yes. Like I have no problem if you're using you know, a pitcher's X slug on their fastball as yeah. part of the discussion of the fastball, but it's part of the discussion of the fastball. It's right. not, it's not like the, the fastball is all bad like, because see, the, X, the X slug is 530. It's yeah. okay. The fastball is not missing bats. The fastball is um, being thrown in the zone at an exorbitantly high rate. The fastball has a really high slugging percentage. Um, you know, the fastball's uh, movement is down this year. What, what all of that stuff is like, okay, now the the X slug fits into a larger picture. It's not right. just, oh, this number is high. It's, well, this number is high and he's not getting swings and misses and there's less dynamic movement on the pitch than before. So now those are lining up to tell right. me a story. It's not just, here's a random number. Yeah, it's right. So if you see a high X slugging, well, how much does he throw it? Does he have to? Is that his only strike pitch? Then if his only strike pitch, then actually might be better than other pitchers strike pitches or something like that right right uh it, it's there's a lot of things in there i should have mentioned the pitfalls of just using era fip and sierra i'm like just use the other things that make up those and then you'll see what the anomaly is or how legitimate it is like don't just that, that's a good maybe starting point to be like oh his xfip is way different than his era thus it's a home run thing you mm-hmm. know it, it's fine like that but you can do so much more and it's all there and wonderful and we're going to talk about Speaking all of, of, of XFIP being different than uh, ERA. <laughs> we have our first, our first starter. Um, but it is before we get to our first starter, uh, just a reminder that this is a continuation. We are doing pitchers 81 to 90 today. Yeah. It's a continuation of a tier, a tier eight 
Wait, what uh, that started with uh, pitcher number 76, Kenta Maeda, uh, and then Andrew Abbott, Christian Javier, Mitch Keller, and Kona Takahashi, who I think we mentioned uh, wound up He's not, not gonna, being posted. Yeah. Uh, Did but we just talk name, about Severino last time to make up for this? It's possible we did. Probably not. I don't know. I don't think we did because we think we were running and we think we were up against it for, for time yeah, purposes. Probably. Um, and again, a reminder, this list is fully up on pitcherlist.com. Check it out. Um, things have obviously changed for us as, you know, the off season has begun. And that's why I think it's cool. We get to talk about Severino, um, because he, now we understand his team context a little bit more than you did when you were making, um, this list. And I did mention the, um, XFIP and ERA and uh, all that difference partially is just a, a forced segue, but also because, um, it fits a little bit with Severino in his 89 and a third innings for the Yankees this year. He had a 665 ERA. He had a 165 whip. He had uh, just an 18.9% strikeout rate. Um, he did have a 483 XFIP, so much better than that ERA, and a 478 Sierra. Uh, not good numbers, but better than the ERA. Um, and I'm just curious... If you basically went into this saying clearly something wasn't right, wasn't healthy, we're writing it off as a lost year and you're willing to kind of, you know, still appreciate there's some upside buried in there. Um, and I guess this, the follow-up question is just, does it matter to you that he's with the Mets now? So I don't really think the Mets are going to do anything to fix him, which is why well, when I got when it happened, no. I was just like, ah, this is like I was hoping. I honestly, I, I was willing to bet that the Dodgers were just going to circle yeah. Severino and be like, "We got this." You get a park um, upgrade, though. Yeah, I don't think that's the issue with Severino. No, it's not. It's not I, I think I think the issue was having boost. a fifty percent ICR against lefties on his fastball and a fifty-five percent on his changeup and a forty-eight percent. This is against lefties last year for Severino. Like he did not locate well. Um, he was mm. trying to backdoor the slider as opposed to getting it down and into lefties, which just, dude, no, that's not you. And if you're saying, Nick, that was just against lefties. Like, come on, against righties, he must have done better. No, 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 51% see, uh, ISCR on that fastball against righties. So, I mean, the slider obviously was better. It's always going to be better, same hand, and at least it should. Um, but if Severino's fastball is getting crushed this much, I mean, we're seeing across the board 50%. Um, when it was 37% against lefties the, uh, the previous year, um, and uh, it was 40% against righties, which is fine. We can accept that if the curve, you know, the slider and the changeup are doing well. Um, which they were previously. So, yeah, that's a problem. Um, and the pitch shape of it wasn't very good uh, in 2023 for, for Severino. So all of that just kind of adds up to me of just, yeah, you aren't very good. <laughs> uh, like, you have to figure out a way to, you know, to get back to this. And I don't really know how. Um, I mean, really, like, you got to figure out how to locate your four-seamer four better. Mm-hmm. Um and I believe, I mean, I'm double checking to see if Severino's four seamer was just demonstrably better in 2022 um, as far as uh, pitch shape goes. But going to the Mets, just when's the last time like the Mets gave us a pitcher that like, oh, no, you right. they changed him and fixed them and everything's great now. Um, and by the way, actually, whoa, whoa, whoa. 2022 Severino's four seamers fastball was, yeah, way better. Huh. Yes. So 17 IVB uh, VAA was better a little bit more velocity better location up can you get that back maybe so here's um. here's where I'm I can talk myself into Severino at the end of drafts 
because we've mentioned this whole idea that like you take pitchers with upside at the end of drafts if the upside doesn't hit your it you just you cut bait right and if the upside yeah. does hit then you could say okay oh, you know well, all right this is this this risk was worth it and rather than taking you know maybe a boring guy like you know a, a, a Dean Kremers who will, you know, we'll meet, we yeah. might get to later. You take a guy like Severino where if he finds the really his form from 2017, 2018, 2022, like when he's healthy, he has been good except for last year. And then for me, it's the asterisks of like, I, they're the, he was very clearly battling injury for a, a chunk of the year, right? He got off to a, a late start. His year ended early with the oblique injury. Um, then you add in the fact that the Yankees shut him down early in 2022, and he was publicly very upset about that and wanted mm. to pitch more and didn't appreciate the way that the organization handled that. So you probably have some residual whatever going on heading yeah. into the season. Then he gets injured to start the season. Then he struggles in his return. Then he gets injured at the end of the season. Like, I just wonder whether when you're talking about somebody, like I'm not talking about drafting him like you would have drafted Severino back in the day. But if you're talking about drafting somebody among the 80th starting pitchers, I wonder if you're just like, you know what? I'm going to pretend last year didn't happen. He's only 30 years old. We know what he's capable of doing. The velocity was still there last year. In fact, the velocity on his fastball was the highest since 2018. Sure. If you look at like his vert, his movement profile, what's weird is he like lost vertical yeah, movement a, a on literally every single on pitch. Yeah. But, like, he lost it on every pitch. Like yeah. to me, that's not a. Again, it'd be great to talk to him about it, but to me, that's not a. Oh, I'm going to make this conscious change to my pitch movement that's right just something off in the delivery yeah that's i mean it, this is why you gotta use our pitch type apps i was doing it as i go it's like oh right, i wanted to look this up beforehand and i didn't and um if you don't know what i'm talking about go to plv to tools in our menu and you'll see plv pitches app um it's free for everybody until february 1st then it's a pl pro thing um and i outline how to read it inside of that uh, pitch list metrics article on, on the ftn guide but yeah, it was Severino's four seamer, 17 inches almost of IVB, right? Which is legitimate. Like when you see that, you go, whoa, okay. And then if it's under 16, you go, mm, I don't know. Uh, that, that, that seems pretty bad. It was 15.4. Um, and that's a scale of one to 10, by the way, not like to 12 or something. So I, that's bad. <laughs> I mean, that, that's just not what you want, right? And an inch and a half is huge when it comes to IVB. I mean, just think about the barrel of a bat and then how much an inch and a half changes where the ball is and where contact is made, right? Mm -hmm. So that, can you get that back? I mean, there's a possibility you're mentioning about the injury. Um, it won't be the Mets. I'll tell you that. Sure. So sure. it's it's a great call about saying, look, just see what the IVB is on the fastball in spring if we can get that data. And if we can, then I then we'll know. And that's it. Yeah. I, I think it's he's a guy I'm 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 coming into spring interested to see what he does because I think he could be an interesting late round pick. Yeah, that's a good call. Um because I think people are gonna are gonna write him off. Um 
And they're going to write him off for a lot of the same reasons they're going to write off our next pitcher, who we'll get to after the break. All right. So the, the next guy who people might disc, uh, might write off because of lost season and, and lost seasons and injuries um, is Chris Paddock, who was signed by the Twins um, and through just five innings last year coming off of injury uh, out of the bullpen, uh, had an impressive, again, just five innings, the 36.4% strikeout rate looked pretty good um, just in you know, in terms of just the velocity was there, looked, you know, healthy, uh, seems to have a spot in the rotation now for the Twins. Uh, so I'm curious whether you still feel like, you know, 82 is, is fair for Paddock or are you maybe perhaps a little bit more bullish on him as you've had more time to look into things? So it's I don't know quite yet if Paddock is going to get that rotation spot. Uh, to me, Lopez, Ryan and Ober are like, yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. Those are good. I would love Louis Varland to get that opportunity to um, sure. look really good out of the bullpen. Oh man. Varland. And, yeah. uh, and Chris Paddock as well. And this is just me being like, okay, he obviously was good out of the pen and maybe that does work. Um, I don't care about Simon uh, Woods Richardson or, I mean, these other ones I'm seeing that have gotten any sort of playing time are like close to it. Um, who is this? Matt Kinserino. So, so- and yeah. Brent and Ben uh, yeah, and Brent Hedrick, but there is David Festa, and David right. Festa is cool. I love David Festa, so uh, <laughs> well, Cant- I hope he I will the say, job. Yeah, Cantorino, I, I really like, but oh, he do didn't you? pitch. I don't know anything about him. It, he didn't pitch at all last year. He was he oh. was injured, so he's he's not. I mean, he has yet to make his his major league debut. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't pitch last year after throwing uh, just thirty six innings in twenty twenty two because of injury. So he's, I, I would be shocked. He's 26, so like maybe they give him a shot in the summer at the you oh, know toward the end of the yeah. summer. But he's he's not a threat for the major league rotation at this at this outset of the season. Um, but he is right. somebody to watch. There's some prospect guys that um, put me onto him. You know, during the good season in 21 and 22. Sure. Um, so keep an eye on. Nice. I uh, and David Festa. If you're wondering, okay, what is his skill set? Um, IVB is 17.4 on that fastball. Uh, that is fun. Um, and it comes in around 94.95. VAA on it is getting close to five. It's not underneath it. Um, not that great in that regard. But uh, that IVB does give me some some hope and a uh, very good changeup. Slider is solid too. So I'm very curious to see how he looks. Uh, and he has a good amount of extension at 6.8, um, which is solid as well. Uh, but I... Uh, yeah, it's possible that Paddock gets an opportunity. And when it comes to his pitch qualities last year, it actually wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. I thought mm. like when he came back, I was gonna be like, oh man, it's gonna be great. Fantastic extension around like seven feet, which is cool. Um, once you see above like 6.4 or something like that, you're like, oh yeah, let's go, 6.5. Um, IVB only at 15. And you want to see, remember like 16.5. So I only seeing 15. It's like, well, we were just talking about the Severina being very bad. And his VAA is terrible. I mean, this is in the very small sample we saw yesterday. Um, but VAA was like close to, it's pretty much steep um, mm-hmm. for what it is. And that's not good. PLV actually last year had it at a 4.45 PLV. And if you are familiar with PLV at all, I like never see pitches underneath 4.5. 4.5 is what we call a bad pitch. Like when you see like bad pitch percentage, it, that is it. So he averages that. 
Um, and you want to see with a four seamer over a five mark. If you see like a 5.2 or 5.3, like, oh boy, that's a, that's, that's a fantastic one. So that gives me a lot of concern with Paddock, even though he was looking good and overpowering out of the gate. And we all kind of know when Paddock was really good, he actually had that rise on that fastball, right? Mm-hmm. We had that breakout in 2019. So because of that, I mean, now I'm more encouraged to avoid Paddock and probably go after Louis Varland and hope that he wins it instead. And I, so I'm probably going to change this one. Um, if you guys want to wait, Nick, like what, what's going on? Why did you just change your tune so much? Well, because in October, I wasn't too familiar with this pitch app and now I am and I'm teaching you guys the tools now and it's fantastic. And uh, this helps so much with defining what makes and breaks a good four seamer. And if you actually just look at the raw results of last year, it was a 17% swing strike rate. So maybe there is something I'm missing with that. I, and maybe it was more overpowering than I would think. However, only 35 pitches were thrown. So we'll see. I'm curious uh, over a larger sample if that does stick when it comes to like IVB and everything, but I think it would. And that outlines, yeah, probably going to come back to, down to earth. Yeah. Paddock. So I will say that I've, I've been suckered into paddock in the past. And so mm-hmm. I might have a little bit of a soft spot here. Here are the two things that make me interested. And now interested for me is, I'm going to watch spring training starts. I'm going to see what he looks like. Not like, hey, I'm going all in if I'm doing a draft right now. Like I have to have shares of Chris Paddock. It's just uh-huh. there are some things I find interesting. One, he put on 20 pounds of muscle during his rehab um, sure. and then came back throwing harder than he ever had before. Relief? The relief, for sure. Velocity, the relief part. Uh, sorry, the velocity part within the relief um, or just short stints. Like he was throwing really hard um, in the minors, but also, again, wasn't throwing five innings, six innings, whatever. Um, but we saw Carlos Rodon before his breakout really put on a lot of muscle, particularly in the lower half. Um, and obviously that helped him not only remain healthy, but it helped him, you know, kind of reach the ceiling that we, we thought he had. The yeah. other thing is like, We've talked on the show before about the Twins are becoming an organization where you trust their ability to develop pitchers. Well, go to driveline is what it is. Right. Go to yeah. driveline. Pablo Lopez and Joe Ryan went to right. driveline. Tyler Malley went to driveline. I think I drive do line. think I thought I saw something online that Paddock had as well or was this offseason. Yeah. Um, but so for me, it's like, okay, we always knew there was some there was some talent there. There was there was something that was intriguing. Um, under the surface, he didn't have a third pitch, but he flashed. Now he's stronger than he's potentially ever been. Um, he's in an organization that will maybe develop or will help him get the tools to develop him in a way that he wasn't helped to be developed earlier on. So to me, that's like, okay, that's a, that's a name. That's another like with Luis Severino. That's a name I'm watching because these are not these are not young guys with upside going at the end of drafts. Like some of the guys we'll talk about today who I think mm-hmm. tend to be more attractive to, to people who are drafting. These are guys who have burned people in the past. And so they're not going to want to draft them. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I still think there's upside in those type of pitchers when you're talking about based on where they're being drafted. Yeah, definitely. No, um, it's, it's funny. This is going to be a common thing of me. I'm like, hey, I'm out of this guy. And maybe as I go closer, I'm like, well, maybe actually I'm not. Um, so with Chris Pack, I was just talking about 2023, the very small sample, 35 four seamers, but the IVB really bad on it. Um, average 15 IVB, which is not good. 
Um, not a good VAA. And I looked back, I was like, you know what? I'm curious. What was in 2022? Unfortunately, we don't have this data for 2019. That's really what, sh- I, what I want to see. But we don't get this kind of data until 2020, unfortunately. And I, 2022, Chris Paddock, his four-seamer, not 15 IVB, 17.6. Whoa. Okay, that is that is incredible. That's the rise of a four-seamer you want. That is coming in at 93 miles per hour, not 95.5. Extension was 6.8, so he still had that elite extension there too. VA really bad though, it was steep. So he was elevating a good amount with it. He had a 12 plus uh, swing strike rate with it in 2022. We don't really think about Chris Paddock being excellent then, um, but there's something to that. And if you're saying, hey, look, he got a lot more muscle to him. He's going to a place, hopefully that is driveline. That obviously knows about IVB and will suggest to do that. And keep in mind, it was only 22 innings worth in 2022 for Paddock. There's there's something to think about there. Um, and, and remember, five innings, Paddock. So maybe that fastball does not work, whatever. Yeah. Like, who cares? Um, it's there clearly to some degree. And we'll see how the, the twins shape the rotation. I would not be surprised if Paddock is still in relief. I I don't know quite yet. But yeah, he's a fun flyer to take at this moment. I'm back and forth if I want him or Varland at the moment. I got to look at Varland now. I'll, I'll make a, that quick decision as you transition clearly to the next guy. Right. And the next guy is a little bit more of the, we talked about the end of drafts. Sometimes people like to take a gamble on a, a younger pitcher um, with upside. And that would definitely be somebody like Reese Olsen. He's ah. only, only 24 years old um, and had... Pretty solid 103 and two thirds innings for the Tigers this year with a 3.99 ERA, uh, 1.12 WHIP. Came with a kind of a pedestrian 24.4 percent uh, strikeout rate. Um, but there are some intriguing things to me here. I'm curious where you land on Reese Olson. Well, with Reese Olson, he doesn't have a good four seamer. In fact, he has a horrifically bad four seamer. I really hate the shape of it. I don't like where he locates it. I don't like how it's hit. I don't I don't like this pitch. Um, 47% ICR for Reese Olsen's four-seamer. The good news is his sinker gets a ton of arm side movement. Mm-hmm. And I think there is potential for him to really lean on that one. That was a 29% ICR this year, if you can believe that. That's amazing. He jammed a ton of guys right-handers with that. It's about kind of figuring out the right thing to do against lefties, of course, um, and figuring out how do I get by? Uh, I can't just only do my changeup and slider there because mm-hmm. the slider is really good and the changeup has a ton of potential with it. And you see the 24% strikeout rate that Reese had last year. That can be real if that changeup is a thing that sticks around more often than not. Some games he had it, some games he didn't. And that's really unfortunate. 54% strike rate is not good enough for a changeup right. to be actually impactful. It needs to be 60 plus, really. And so that he can throw it at any point. Those are the guys with good changeups that we really like are ones that doesn't matter what the moment is. I will throw my changeup and I'll get a strike. And that Pablo Lopez can do that, right? So I don't know if Reese Olsen is going to be able to do that. The slider is just an incredible all-around pitch. 31% usage last year. 64% strike rate. 36% CSW is cool. You see the 38% ICR. That's fine. I'll take that as my main strike pitch all day. If he pushes that to 40% plus even, and you have that, that's cool. That's fine. It's really just going to be, how do I figure out lefties? Because sinkers should go inside of righties, and I don't know what else to do. So 
I hope maybe the sinker can play both sides. The four seamer to me is just not good enough at all in, in no way. I don't really see how that one works well. Mm-hmm. The other issue is that Jack Flaherty just signed there. And that means they also signed Maeda. And then you go, wait a second, Tarek Skubal, Maeda, uh, Matt Manning, uh, Jack Flaherty, Casey Mize, Reese Olsen, Sawyer Gibson yeah. Long. That's seven guys. So who's the one that drops out here? I actually think it's going to be Flaherty. I, I mean, it shouldn't be. <laughs> It won't be because he just, they just paid him. Right. But he is not good, guys. Flaherty, no. I really looked into it this morning uh, when I was going over uh, reviewing Flaherty for the Tigers to update that one, which I did. And boy, not uh, not good. Just, just not good across the board. And I don't really know what I would even instruct him to fix. I'm, I'm also not a better pitches. I don't know what to do. I'm also not a Matt Manning fan. Generally Matt Manning speaking. is so close. Is a weird um, thing. Sure. Uh, and Casey Mize, obviously, total lost year last year, so we don't know what their plan is for him at the start of the year because um, he has minor league options, right? So is Casey yeah, Mize right. somebody they start they start off in the minor leagues and say, hey, just first month of the season, like, you know, just get back into it. So who knows? I You hit the nail on the head of, of all the reasons I'm interested in Reese Olsen, and interested is not fully invested it's interested right. because the slider is really good the changeup flashed and not only did the changeup flash but he started throwing it way more at the end of the year which tells me that he also knew that it was flashing um sinker is workable and so it's like okay can, can we round the, can we round this out can we find can we find I mean, the the rug that ties the room together it really yeah, it is really 29% icr in a sinker is so good if you're a starter throwing this pitch 20% of the time. I cannot emphasize that enough. That is really, really good. Uh, if I see under 30% on any pitch that's 20% or more thrown, let alone a sinker, I am ecstatic about that. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool. Like changeup was 45%, <laughs> four seamers 47, 38 on the slide, and then there's 29 in the sinker. So I do wonder if I uh, if he can replicate that for lefties, as obviously um against this is actually the funniest that you'll hear all day um he only threw let's see through 17 total sinkers against the lefties obviously this he's doing it the right way when you throw a sinker you throw it only against same-handed batters okay mm-hmm. Reese Olsen's doing the right thing trying to just jam guys inside with it through 17 of them and he has an ICR of 100 <laughs> percent every time the sinker was put in play um, which was uh, three times, no, two times, they were both destroyed. So uh, not good, but obviously, like, yeah, you're not throwing that thing against lefties. Not Meanwhile, good. the four-seamer was a 54% ICR against lefties. So clearly that is the thing to fix. If he gets a cutter, that would that honestly would be the thing I would say. Like, hey, let's try and, try and figure out a way to just get a cutter inside of righties, and then you're good. But yeah. that's a very hard skill to get especially for a youngin. Uh, I'm curious what we'll see from results in this year. I'm probably out because of that full, I uh, full repertoire. It's not repertoire rotation right now. Rotation. Unfortunately. I think which, Mize has the inner route ahead of Olson, which I think is part of the reason that I'm questioning the next pitcher as well. Uh, 84th on your list is Kyle Harrison um, with San Francisco oh, yeah. Giants, who is another young pitcher, younger, uh, 22 years old, younger than Reese Olson. Um, did get a cup of coffee in the big leagues uh, last year. The concern for me is what we know that the Giants love to limit innings of their starters. 
they are currently have Logan Webb, Di Scafani, Ross Stripling, and Alex Cobb seemingly locked in their rotation, um, which would put Kyle Harrison and Keaton Wynn battling yeah. for the fifth spot. But they're yeah. also like heavily in on Yamamoto right now. So even no, if they don't on. get come Yamamoto, on. Come on. But I'm saying they're they're looking at they're going to add something yes right so are they going to add one starter are they going to add two starters if they add one that might already put kyle harrison as the sixth starter if they add more than one does he start the year in triple a do they do okay, this thing so, where okay, like, i'm going to stop you right now because there's no way that Keaton wins over no, but, over harrison but i'm saying if if it's Logan Webb, Di Scafani, Stripling, and Cobb. Oh, you're saying when Cobb comes back from hip yeah. surgery? Because how um, do we know yeah, what Stripling, his... Honest, I'm going to be honest. I think Stripling... I mean, I understand no options left. Uh, they might do some piggyback stuff. Right. But then if they, yeah. piggy, if they piggyback Harrison and Stripling, then isn't the key who starts? Because if well, Harrison I think is going the Giants are going to want to work game. in Harrison. I think they see more... Of like an actual potential impact pitcher from him, but I, I see what you're and saying. They, like they might slow him and down early and everything. Um, it's and just they don't we've, want to we've do, seen they them. Have the and they're not going to do it. Yeah, I, I I see exactly what you're saying. We've seen them uh, do weird stuff with the rotation that limits fantasy value. We should make that clear. It limits the fantasy value of some of these starters, and sure. so that's my question. Is like, again, this has nothing to do with the pitcher Kyle Harrison is. It's. Do we trust the Giants for the first half of the season to have him operate as a true starting pitcher? What is this? Um, you know, because, but last year, I mean, listen, last year he threw 100 innings, so he could go 130. So I, I don't know. Where, where you stand on Kyle Harrison right now? Well, if you were to, to describe Kyle Harrison's fastball, how would you describe it? What would you think, like, the metrics are on it? Um, I remember it. I remember from watching it, not looking at anything right now. Um, I I feel like it's a high strike rate pitch. Didn't miss a lot of bats with fine, vo- solid velocity from the left side, but not eye popping. So I, it's probably a, a pretty average four seam. So yeah. So coming up, I mean, everything I had heard about Cal Harrison had been overpowering fastball and a big hook by questionable command, right? <clears throat> that, that's pretty much just, okay, we don't really know if he's going to, you know, uh, keep keep batters off base with walks and all that kind of stuff. And watching him, yeah, he's a slinging lefty. He doesn't really know where this pitch is going a lot. He's trying to get keep it upstairs. But as far as a command artist, that is not what he is. But I was like, okay, I can probably guess that this is a good four seamer and as far as shape goes and everything because he's leaning so much on it 93 94 so extension's good 6.7 he generally keeps it upstairs um he keeps it up in a way against right handers which i always hate as you guys know but he does keep it inside a lot to lefties which i love um it's vaa is amazing 1.6 is really steep so that's underneath five it's i mean actually really close to negative four which is so good if you see ever in like Underneath the negative three, like closer to negative, sorry, underneath negative four, closer to negative three. Oh boy, that's like the best VAA possible um, for high fastballs. So like, he has a really good VAA, just understand that. It's IVB is 13.2. Think about that. That's terrible. That is like really bad. Um, I've, what? You, you don't, 
is is the VAA and extension that much? Because like generally, I say like the rule of three of these. Mm-hmm. Like if you have three that are elite here or like really above average, like I'll say, cool, the extension six point seven is, is great. The VAA is great, but velocity at ninety three point six and the and IVP at thirteen point six are really bringing this down. I think. And seeing 11% swing strike rank Callie Harrison's four-seamer last year kind of validates that to me. Um, how do you, ooh. how does this factor in? So like, I actually didn't know about these pitch type cards until you were talking about this. So it's, it's cool to be learning this with you. Yeah. How does it factor in the fact that um, he's got this, the three quarter release, right? So he has so, more side break to this. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I remember like, the catcher, um, which catcher was it? I think it was Patrick Bailey. Um, oh, I remember reading an article that he comped Kyle Harrison to Josh Hader in terms of just the way the fastball moves because of it having v- both vertical and horizontal break because uh-huh. of his um, because the VAA angle and everything, right? Yeah. So, so maybe that compensates for. I mean, obviously, you know, we don't have a massive sample size of innings at the big league level when we're looking at this, but so, but he obviously was very effective in the minor leagues and maybe that is compensating for some of the poor underlying metrics. Well, I mean, I looked up actually, I was very curious to my reading this wrong from the minors as well. IVB there is exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, well, okay, well, Josh haters, Josh haters sinker, 18 inches of IVB. So right. I, I, I disagree. I'm sorry. I think it's the <laughs> angle. Uh, sure. But we have the data that says no, this is reversed. Uh, Hater gets like seven point inches of, uh, of glove side movement. It has like the least amount of sinker arm side break and the most amount of rise on a sinker. It's not a sinker; it's a four seamer, right? And I, uh, yeah, this is not good. <laughs> and it, the thing is, like, if you guys like, wait, Nick, you change every single day, but what matters and what doesn't? Look, this is the thing that actually I used to be saying. Um, I care about the results a lot more, and I do. Um, this is data that helps me understand the results better than ever. There have been times I've watched guys and I see lots of velocity and it quite just isn't doing it. And I don't understand why there are other guys where I can see them elevate with it. And I go, wait, huh? That works. Why does that work that way? And then I can see like, oh, cool. He's not looking here or there. This really opens the door for me understanding even more. So the potential of stuff. Yeah. And really, if I, see, if I just didn't have this data and I'd only saw 11.5% swing strike rate, I would be saying, wait, what's going on here? Um, th- that doesn't make sense for this quote unquote overpowering pitch. Like, why is that? Uh, do I think this can be a 14% one or not? Because that's really, that can't be the pitch for him. You, right. you need this to be like a 14 plus or something in swing striker for it to be everything. So this is a two pitch pitcher. Um, changeup is just, uh, I mean, I guess not, but high strike rate, but man, he floats that thing. And to see a 72% strike rate with a 20% CSW, that means over half of his strikes are, have made contact. <laughs> not good. Not what you want. Um, and, uh, 50% of his pitches, I should say, actually, which is even insane, more insane of those changeups. Uh, this is not a good profile, and I already had a bad impression of him just not being command guy in the first place, let alone having the pitch shapes that I don't want. So I have, I have zero interest in Kyle Harrison for Boom. 2024. I'm Boom. so far out. Interesting also to note, um, the huge numbers he put up were at, double, at double A and uh, high A, 
2023 in triple in 2023 in AAA, while he did miss a lot of bats, he did have a 4.66 ERA in 65 innings in AAA. So he was not particularly dominant. Um, strikeout rate. PCL, was, I will say, I think I it think was. it's the PCL. Um, yeah. And the strikeout and the strikeout rate is dominant. So you know, keep that in mind. But um, just interesting to note for the entire profile. You know, um, and I should mention. Know, Stuff plus in the minors with that 13.3 IVB was 109. Yeah. Um, which is still good. Like that's not like that's above it's saying it's above average. But I need to see more than that, I think, for it to right. be the thing for Cal Harrison. And I think it's saying that because of VAA and everything like that. I'm this may just make sense to me so much of like, okay, yeah, I get it now. Yeah. It needs yeah. more pranking and just doesn't have it. Speaking of Stuff Plus, Stuff Plus loves something that our next pitcher does. And we'll talk about that after the break. All right. Starting pitcher number 85, the Stuff Plus slider king, Graham Ashcraft. Yeah. No, thanks. <laughs> no? <laughs> I have no faith that Graham Ashcraft's ever going to be able to command his cutter or his sinker. And his slider is nice, but it's just... I don't want this life, man. You know, he just makes so many of these mistakes. And I get the, the ICR is 35% on that cutter. You know, it, it's a slider at the, at 40% ICR. It's just, I can't do it. I, I just don't really trust it. I can't do it. That's all I got. Yeah. I, I've been, I've been out on Graham Ashcraft for a while now. Um, and for me, it's, it is, you know, he's a reverse splits pitcher to a certain extent um, struggles more against righties and to me it's because he throws a cutter and a slider and no matter how good the slider is it does not get nearly the amount of strikeouts that you think it should get I mean this this dude has a 17% strikeout rate but he has apparently one of the best pitches in baseball if you go by like by stuff plus metrics. And I, I say this, I've had conversations with Eno about Graham Ashcraft. So I'm not poo-pooing stuff plus. Um, but it is it's actually part no, of, he he's the one that brings it up being like, right, well, it's just one element. Right. It's part of a larger whole. And if you are a pitcher who only throws pitches that move away from right-handed batters, yes. then no right-handed batter needs to think about you throwing anything on the inside part of the plate, which means they're looking middle away, which means you've taken away a third of the plate in terms of what they need coverage for. And if you're a major league hitter and you only need to look in, you need to look in one fewer yep. spot, you're going to make far more contact. It's just, by nature what's going to happen it doesn't matter how good that pitch is now i know whatever you're throwing me is breaking away and i just need to differentiate between cutter and slider um and he really need he needs a sinker he needs a changeup. he needs well, something that will bear in on, on the right is that he can't do anything with right. it. <laughs> it's not great it's rough it's not great uh, um, but he needs yeah, something that, that that will that he can keep right-handed hitters honest with on the inside part of the plate. And like, I, I, my takeaway is that Graham Ashcraft needs to get his cutter low. Yeah. Um, he needs to really lean in on this pitch being a ground ball machine, but he has a 22nd percentile in cutter low lock. It's only 29% of the time. He keeps, he keeps this thing upstairs too often. Um, and it just allows guys to be like, all right, I'm just going to hit this thing. It's all right. It's fine. I, I'd um, also love to see him throw a changeup. I mean, he's got an 88. 
he's got an 88 mile an hour slider and he's got a 96 mile an hour cutter and it's like something softer and in on righties could could be could work wonders so so funny stuff he actually threw seven of them in 2022 and oh they were terrible happened yeah they were were awful 100 percent icr yeah i don't (laughs) mean he doesn't need need to throw the terrible change up let's let's let him get a new one (laughs) two hits (laughs) and 100 percent icr and a pear tree um so yeah, I, I I have no faith in Ashcraft getting the command. And you guys know the whole story. I've told millions of times of drafting him in Tet Wars last year, trading him in April, wisdom tooth removal made it so that I set a legal lineup. So then I actually had to keep him, and then he went and like burned me for the next six weeks. It was great. Always fun. Always fun. So fun. Uh, yeah, Nick and I are both out on Ashcraft, but I think we're both in on starting pitcher number eighty six, Edward Cabrera. Yeah, I'm I'm. <sighs> more well, okay so you were we, we talked about Eric cabrera on a previous podcast mm-hmm. and you were the one that trying to was trying to sell me on him so i want you to get an opportunity to do that again i don't know that i was trying to sell you on him fully i was trying to i, I am intrigued by first of all um elite change up um, in an organization that has done really well with pitchers with elite changeups and having that that be a, a foundation to their success, um, improved a much improved fastball from 2022 to 2023 um, in terms of results. Uh, swinging strike rate still not high on that pitch, so it, it is it is not a strikeout pitch, but um, swing strike rate high on both the change up and the curve so he doesn't really need the fastball to be a huge strikeout pitch um and so i just see a guy who has a little bit more potential for swing and miss than um we've maybe you know seen and i think he's flashed that when he had like those um you know multi-inning relief appearances and he could kind of like let it rip and hopefully that's not a precursor to like where he fits where he fits best um Mm -hmm. But it's more of like a raw, more of like a raw talent, raw ability thing where I see a pitcher with two pitches in the changeup and curve that I that I think could be solid. Um, and then it's like the sinker is eh, and he doesn't throw it that often. Um, and the four seam is getting better, but it's still not there. So it's just like, is there is there another step in there with that with that with whatever fastball it is? Um, sure. And at 25 years old, he could certainly still make that step. Yeah. So what I'm seeing with Edward Cabrera, I mean, it's, I don't actually think his mechanics are so far off to have as wonky of control that he has. Yeah. Um, and like, I've, I've certainly seen pitchers who are just like, dude, you are so lost with this. There's no way. Um, I actually do think that Edward Cabrera could be incredibly effective um, with what he has. I wouldn't say that this is necessarily the highest profile uh, four seamer I've ever seen. Like, it's not a good VAA. It's a fifteen point three IVB. Like, um, solid extension, good velocity, but like this is that this is a ninety six mile per hour four seamer that should not really be racking up high swing strike rates. It is a very low ICR, um, and that's pretty cool. Uh, batters can't really connect on it. Obviously, he doesn't throw it in the zone a lot. But he does actually, to right-handers, surprisingly, he had a 61% strike rate. He just has, does 
not get strikes against lefties whatsoever. And I actually 62%, I should say. Um, and the ICR isn't great on that whatsoever, but I do think the changeup is so good with Edward Cabrera that there is room to grow if there is a little bit more command and polish um, on that four-seamer location. Uh, I think he gets it too far down against right-handers, and he's trying to get up and into lefties, and that's why they just cannot touch that thing, which is great. Like, that's what you do. I also think that that sinker could be something um, if he relies on that more than 14% of the time against right-handers. Move away from that four-seamer and actually really lean on um, a good amount of arm side break, and he gets that thing inside to them. He could really mess them up, I think, a decent amount. Uh, the curveball for Eric Cabrera does need a little bit of work. It does get hit too often. It does become too much of a, hey, I guess I have to do something with this pitch, uh, which is unfortunate because it really should just be more of that back pocket one um, mm-hmm. that is like, hey, cool, I can whip this out and get that O swing on it. I can surprise you more with it as opposed to I need to flip this in the zone right now because I need something for a strike. So it's a process. Um, and I do wonder if Edward Cabrera can make those tweaks on his fastballs to allow his curveball and changeup to be even better than they are. Yeah. It'll be fun to see. I think it's possible for him. And I'd be looking toward maybe his arm circle being shortened a little bit or just some sort of tweak with the mechanics come spring. Yeah. And I, I liked um, another thing that, that had me kind of interested in watching him in the spring is that uh, in late October, I just pulled this article back up. And in late October, Jeff Zimmerman wrote an article um, about Mighty the news, I assume. Uh, no, it was actually he he created um, pitch ERA. You know, P-E-R-A was one of the, the stats that okay. he created, um, which gave each pitch a grade based on its results. But he went back to this and basically looked at each pitch's results and created this thing that he called fieldable percentage, which was basically a batted ball that had no components of being hard hit. Mm-hmm. He put as being a f- fieldable percentage. And what he found is that year over year, fieldable percentage uh, best predicts next season's weak contact. Oh, that's cool. Right? Um, that's and, really cool. And so Edward Cabrera's fieldable yeah, percentage that. was one of the top 10 metrics in uh, what is one of the top 10 rates of all pitchers in 2023 in line with Cole Raggins, Marcus Stroman, Brian Bayo, Logan Webb, wait, wait. Tariq, Tariq Skubal, and Max Freeze. Stop right now. Did you say Cole Raggins was number two? No, I just he's one of the top ten. He's one of the top ten. Uh, Freed Freed had the highest fieldable percentage. Was Snell Scoobles number two? Uh, Webb was three. Cabrera was four. Bayo was five. Stroman was six. Uh, Raggins of them was seven. But so it adjusted um, his pitch ERA from four Cabrera's pitch ERA from four oh eight to three forty nine. Which again. That's not saying he's a 350 ERA pitcher, but it is saying that he gave up the batted ball contact that Edward Cabrera gave up should have given him a better overall ERA because the pitches were inducing what would not be what would be considered weak contact. So according to Jeff Zimmerman's research, that it would mean that next year, next year, Edward Cabrera should be inducing more weak contact than he induced this past year. Um, and that when you're inducing more weak contact, you're likely going to have better results because, you so, know, weak so batted balls I, tend I, to I'm noticing bad. here. Um, and the reason I, w- I was curious if Snell was there because Reagan's 
and Cabrera are going to have those marks more so because they throw fewer strikes that are hittable. Like mm, part of their game plan is, hey, I'm not going to give in, right? I'm just going to be throwing around the edges and I'm just going to live there and hopefully throw enough strikes and mess you up or you're just going to extend yourself and deal with it. It's kind of like the neckbeard approach of Dallas Keuchel, right? Um, and no surprise to me that Dylan sees some, I looked up this article, is like super hittable and fieldable percentage is terrible for him. Uh, well, you know, Jack Flaherty's here. <laughs> and Spencer Strider, y'all. Like, this is the thing I, I hate. This is why I hate FIP so much. Is I think Zimmerman's pointing out right now why FIP is trying to say, like, well, all balls in play are equal, save for home runs. And that's just not true, um, which is, I, I very much agree. But anyway, I so I think that's what he's saying in this, right? It's fine. Um, my point of the matter is that Eric Cabrera, I think, is at a situation where he's not giving in as much. And there, I think there are tweaks where he needs to be able to, like, he's missing so much. He's like, no, I'm just going to miss outside the zone. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, and I think there's something to be fixed with. So I'm very curious about Eric Cabrera. At the same time, like, he could be absolutely a hipster of just not getting there. And I, honestly, if he is that way, sure, he could just click in June or something like that. You're just going to have to live with it. Um, I would likely say if he's walking everybody in April, then you can probably move on. Yeah, agreed. Um, that is the end of that tier. Um, oh, yeah. I didn't so give it a name or, starting, a theme or anything. Well, because I, I was going to switch it up on you today. Because um, we have a new, a new starting tier, which uh-huh. starts with picture number 87. Um, and instead of naming this tier, since it's one tier today, I wanted to ask you one question just one it's it's around the holidays it is and this question comes up every year around the holidays okay and so i need to know nick pollock's opinion what is die hard a christmas movie there it is i knew it i knew this would be the question so it, it i think it changes per person because some people are very much like well does it involve christmas thus it is a christmas movie right and that would make sense because uh, it is takes it takes place holiday party of Christmas, right? And that makes sure. all the sense. Now, when I think a Christmas movie, though, is it about the is a central theme of the movie about the spirit of Christmas or mm. surrounding things of the holidays with like Home Alone two in New York? It's all about Christmas for that, mm-hmm. right? You know, it's, it's so much about it. Same with Home Alone one or whatever, but it, you could say even. I don't know. Um, you know, Love Actually, I think, is a Christmas movie too, right? Totally, right? They have a whole thing sur- surrounding the holiday itself. Mm-hmm. Having it as a holiday party that just happens to be the place where this thing goes down, it- it's just kind of on the side. It's just oh. like a, you know, in the same way of Twilight is not a baseball movie. <laughs> Die Hard is not dare a Christmas you. movie. <laughs> Twilight's one of the greatest baseball movies of our time. <laughs> that might be the best analogy I've ever had on this podcast. And I think it's so important to understand that when we say a Christmas movie, you know, a Christmas story is a great example that like surrounds the excitement of it. Really, like you, tr- they try to showcase the experience of Christmas in it. You mm-hmm. know, they try to s- put something on it. Die Hard is not that. Like it's not, it's nothing to do with Christmas safe or just having it involved in some way. You know, 
that's yeah. If Twilight is a baseball movie, then Die Hard is a Christmas movie. And then a along came Polly is a basketball movie because just yeah. There you go. Let it, let it rain, <laughs> right? That's not a basketball movie. Not. It's a great basketball scene though. There you um, go. Beautiful. Good. I'm glad we're we're on the same page there. So I'm I'm really glad we covered that. That's important to me. I'll continue doing this podcast with you. People, I, I think honestly, those that really lean to it being a Christmas movie, just like it's just different definitions. That's the important part. Communication. It's all about understanding that we're on a level playing field to start. And so many times there are discussions and arguments that could just be just avoided if we were able to take that first moment to establish a foundation. You yeah. know? That's I, yeah, I agree. And sometimes, it, you know, when it comes to like late round pitchers that you draft, sometimes <laughs> you're just on different pages. Sometimes Absolutely. you want the really high upside of somebody like uh, Kyle Harrison. No, that's not and sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> of Edward Cabrera. <laughs> and Edward Cabrera. And sometimes you're just going to say, you know what? I know what Marcus Stroman's going to give me. See, I don't, though. And, you, I don't. Oh, you don't? I feel like I don't. it's just, he's, I feel like he's always safe ratio help. But uh, what? Okay, for, so last year he wasn't. He wasn't. If you had Marcus Stroman in a 12 teamer last year, okay? Sure, 10 wins, whatever. 395 ERA, well, that's 26 whip. If I'm in a 12 teamer, sure. I don't want that on my team. You do 395 ERA, you, you do now. The the 80th percentile ERA is over four. It's like four. So last year, among starting pitchers in the top 200 batters faced, that was 65th percentile. I don't want that for 136 innings and I'm going to win my league. Sure. Yes. And this goes back to like what we're talking about at the end of drafts. Like, are you taking somebody who's, you know, milk toast at the end of your draft and just saying, eh, and maybe that makes Stroman more of a 15 team league. Yeah, 15 option. team are completely different where that level hits is so different. Do you think that, I mean, because I, I guess now that I'm thinking about it and I'm looking at his full career of stats, um, I might be conflating this idea of consistent ratio help because he really only had. 2021 and 2022 for good whip right. for good whip and he yeah. has always kind of had mediocre whips so maybe he maybe it's been for yeah, the most been. part solid eras with meh whips so why why is that so, do yeah. you think it's a very simple explanation to me i mean so he's you you know it you know the reason why a guy would have a good era and a bad whip right without a bad walk rate He's a ground ball boy. Like, I was gonna say, I feel like this is a trick question. Yeah, it's uh yes. He he induces he induces soft contact and you know hopes his defense well, cleans it up. Soft contact okay. is soft a contact thing. is a stretch. He induces ground, <laughs> ground balls. Sometimes it's ground balls. sometimes soft contact. Yeah. I mean, yes, I mean look, 76 percentile ICR, right? Like it's 36%, 37% overall, which is fine. Well, that's okay. As long as it's not above 40 overall, cool. But if it's ground balls a ton, you are dependent on your defense. And 2021 Mets defense was good. Uh, 22, uh, 22 Cubs was good. 23 was weird uh, for the Cubs. and But I want to say it was good. Um, his hit per nine was actually but, the same. At, but also uh, no at, shift. Sure. No um, but I'm going to make the point of saying that the walks in previous years were six and it went up to nine. And that's why the whip changed. Sure. It, the the defense was still pretty much you know, the same. Babbitt was the same and stuff. Like it was, Babbitt's were over 300 before um, 21. Then 21, 2, and 3 
we're all seeing like 290 and under. And I, that's to me just defense uh, for the most part for Strowman. So yeah. I agree with you that like what he does as a skill set is actually somewhat consistent. But what we're going to get is not, I don't know yet because I don't know where he signs. Right. I like it really is just completely based on where he signs. Mm-hmm. And if I believe that this is going to be an excellent defense for him this year, Marcus Stroman, okay, I can actually bank on a better than a 126 whip. Hopefully that I don't think that 9.6 or sorry, that 9% walk rate is going to be what he is. That just doesn't seem right to me. Right. Um, I think we can all kind of agree with that. Uh, I'm trying to take a look at quickly at what strike rate so, fell. I mean, fewer sinker strikes, uh, fewer. Oh, man, his fastball strike was horrific. I mean, he dropped its usage slightly, but I mean, they were talking like 64% to 55%. Yeah. Um, and then the splitter, anytime he threw it, just was not a strike. And so, you're, the, you're, I'm now looking, I looked at the uh, StatCast outs above average leaderboard for just team infield yeah, defense. Ahead. And the Cubs ranked third in all of baseball. Yep. Uh, 21 runs runs prevented, 27 outs above average, trailed only the Giants and the Royals in right. 2023. It wasn't hit for nine that changed. It was 8.18 right. 8 and 7.9 the last three yep. years. And just he, the walk rate that went up. And he should have leaned into it more too because he had the highest ground ball rate um, he's had since 2018. So he yeah. was getting more ground balls with a really good defense behind him. Which is great. So and that's actually should what should he was doing so well. The first beginning of the year, he was actually yeah. like, Strowman's killing it. Like, it was like a two and change ERA. And then it fell off um, after that. And I imagine there was other yeah. factors involved, too. Yeah. I mean, he only, 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 he only threw 24 innings in the second half um, with injury. Yeah. So potentially those, um, those innings were impacted by whatever he was battling. Um, let's see. Right. If we look uh, at... If we yep. look at his first half walk rate, well, no, but even in the first I mean, half of last year, his walk rate was nine. Starts, I'll even say this. First 16 starts with Stroman until June 20th, 228 ERA with a 102 whip and a 9% walk rate. The okay, walk rate's at 9.1 in the second half. So the walk rate's yeah, right so, I mean, the walk rate was consistent. For whatever reason, he was in a better groove. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the hits kept coming like the 90s. Now music. <laughs> The 90s are a great decade of music. It really is. Just great. Phenomenal. And the 80s were the worst. And we're going to move on. Uh, So, (laughs) since, man, they were just everywhere and they're too cheesy. It's too much done like that. It's just not. I love a decent synth. What I want. Not all the time, but like, give me a synth sometimes. I'm okay. Sometimes, but not like for the entire thing. When it came to like metal music and everything, the the mixing was so bad. All the big rock bands did not rock anymore they were do it was just not a good it was the worst one not to say there wasn't good music in the 80s it's just 60s 70s oh yeah okay great yeah, and then 80s 80s, 80s yacht rock 90s though. was great you know so 80s yacht rock is that's primo <laughs> it's just so good all right but yeah Stroman for me is is fine it depends on where the team goes not someone i really target in my drafts but i can understand getting him when you're like look i need innings on my team this is a mm-hmm. good defense behind me behind him i'm fine with it like i'm not going to criticize anybody for getting stroman on their 12 teamers if he's in a good situation sure um i i'm more interested in him so for him for me he's like boring end of the draft depending on where he lands could be a good source of wins era whatever i i'm i can at least talk myself into 
him. The next two guys who I'll I'll lump together for a second, and I'm just curious if you have really any positive thoughts about Clark Schmidt and Dean Kremer. Um, I tried to talk myself into Clark Schmidt multiple times this year, and just it didn't click. Nothing clicked, and I I don't even know if the Yankees want him in the starting rotation next year. Yeah. Um, obviously we know the Yankees are going hard after Yamamoto. Um, they're definitely going to get at least one starter, which will probably knock, you know, Clayton beater out of the projected rotation. It was and their secret that, weapon against the Dodgers. And then that makes Schmidt the fifth starting pitcher. So if they add two starting pitchers this off season, Schmidt loses his spot. And I just didn't well, okay. find anything interesting. One. It's going to be Yamamoto and Imanaga. Just kidding. Um, but uh, that'd be so fun. Oh my gosh. I'd be so happy. You have no idea. Um, but uh, you got to also understand that it's Cole, then Rodon, Nestor Cortez as one, two, three. And we Not don't know how long that's going to hold yeah, up, yeah, right? With, uh, with Rodon and Cortez. I love chasing both of them. But uh, yeah. So Clark Schmidt is going to get innings. It's kind of hard as a, in a 12 team where you don't want to stash. Just uh, give those innings to Will Warren. Just give them to Will Warren. Call it a day. <laughs> yeah. Um, honestly, by the way, the, my whole take on the the trade uh, for Soto, uh, the Michael King thing. Um, honestly, I think San Diego is going to do a great job with them. They have a very good defense. Uh, I think their pitching um, minds there are great. And uh, I know that Michael King will likely regress in some ways, but I think he's just going to do really well there and they're just going to let him fly. So I'm actually in some aspects like Michael King more in San Diego um, than I do as a Yankee. As far as Drew Thorpe goes, my understanding is that he's change of focus and I don't like change of focus guys uh, that are prospects. King, King will fly all the way to 130 innings pitched. That's fine. Yeah. Honestly, these days, no, I, yeah, we've, I mean, we, we've talked about that up for starting pitchers. Right, that's all. Exactly. We've talked about that a lot on the show. There's nothing wrong with that, but I, I'm not taking him like in the top 30. Yeah, oh, gosh, no, absolutely not. I think he's going to um, fly up draft boards, but anyway, um, oh boy. Schmidt and, and Kremer. Are you, so are Schmidt, you either one yeah. of these guys? Um, Schmidt, I'm more so. Okay. I think that Schmidt understands that, Hey, look, I do not have the best shaped fastball. Mm-hmm. I just don't. And I have the sinker that I am decent at getting uh, inside to right-handers. So I will use that as much as I can and be effective there. I have a good sweeper, like a really highly graded one. Um, I have uh, this really good cutter, honestly, against righties. It's super good. Um, super high strike rate, super high, uh, super low ICR on that. Um, and he's just figuring it out. Like, I don't really think that Clark Schmidt is going to push 25% strikeout rates much until he figures out his curveball. Which um, is workable. There, there are some interesting things about the curveball. Yeah. Um, he's going to have to figure out more stuff against lefties, I think. Uh, the cutter needs to get more inside than it has. The slider sweeper, I should say. He tries to backdoor it, and I don't think that's the way to go. He needs to learn the Garakul method of getting it down and in, even though it's, that's a gyro slider and Schmidt's a sweeper. Um, the sinkers performed oddly well against left-handers for as a call strike pitch. Uh, I don't expect that to stick and the curveball should be more of a big thing for him. Only 6% strike rate, um, and hung too many of them. So like there's ways that Clark Schmidt does get better and that's encouraging. It is going to be a winning ball club. Uh, and it's fine. 
Like seeing guys go hard into secondaries generally doesn't fail as much if you have three of them, right? Uh, especially for younger guys that actually have like decent stuff with them. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not, I'm not talking about Trevor Williams here. Uh, so I'm okay with that. I think there's just generally a good floor with that, especially if a cutter that gets a lot of strikes. Um, I also can imagine he develops a little more. So Clark Schmidt, yeah. I'm more intrigued on. Kramer, no. Sorry. I don't think the four seamer is actually that good. I think he's too inconsistent with Agreed. the cutter. And there really isn't much else. So Agreed. I broke down Kramer already for my rotation pieces. And it's really funny. Like I wrote these and I feel so absurdly confident when I write them. And then I forget. So <laughs> I need to do my own review again of all of these guys. Um, and pretty much this is the only line that matters is if this approach seems to you, it's because it is. Yeah. And there you go. That's Dean Kramer. I, I'm out on Kramer. I, I could I could see myself getting back into Clark Schmidt. I was interested multiple times this year. just didn't work. But yeah, like you mentioned, the, they're real problems against lefties. Um, like real problems that need to be ironed out before I think he can be trusted. And they can be ironed out, um, but we we just have to see that happen. You know, you know what's really uh, funny? I haven't clarified this with anyone really. Dean Kramer's a slinger from just from the right side. And yes. I think if you realize that, then like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> that makes more sense. Cool. Thanks, Nick. You know, he's just a slinger without an amazing breaking ball. <laughs> like weird. Yeah. And, and a, tenuous spot on in the rotation i mean who knows if baltimore is actually going to add starting pitching they should we've been saying it for years um, right but you know he's at the bottom of that rotation i think his his spot i guess it's like him and cole irvin well, the, well tyler, okay so tyler wells might go into it right and, i would uh, i would love to see that yes. he should be in the above cole irvin the very least yes they're going to add at least something but everyone yeah. knows like the orioles like hey starting pitching um i think honestly the Phillies made out like bandits on Aaron Nola and that really messed mm-hmm. things up for Baltimore. Yeah. Um, but he does actually get good movement on the four seamer, gets like a 14% swing strike rate on that pitch and he uses in two strike counts. And he actually like does that, Dean Kramer. Um, but it's, you know, good IVB-ish and uh, uh, VAA. It's just, yeah, it's, eh. I'm, I don't way, do it. I'm way more interested in the last pitcher we're going to talk about today. Number 90. Are you really? Oh. Jose Quintana. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm more interested in the sense that like, to me, Dean Kramer isn't an upside starting pitcher, right? So we're not saying, Hey, we're using a late round pick on somebody who might pop like an Edward Cabrera. We're using mm-hmm. it on, um, a boring guy. We hope has a safe enough floor with good team context. And I understand the Mets right now probably aren't a good team context. It's still early in the off season. I do expect them right. to make more additions to their lineup that aren't just Tyrone Taylor. Um, <laughs> but Quintana has produced, man. I mean, like, that, I know that's I know. all he's done. I mean, I, I know he had a really bad 2021 um, and, you know, he was mediocre um, leading up to those years. Like he wasn't, he, he seemed to be regressing, but I just think that he's done an interesting job the last two years um, of, first of all, I really like that he went more to the sinker um, this past year Um, and the sinker and the curve and the curve has always been a pretty good pitch for him. And so I think like, you know, there's nothing exciting about it, but I think he produces workable uh, ERAs and 
the whip has never been great is a concern. Um, so you're talking about like a 15 team league pitcher on what I hope will be a decent Mets team. And if the Mets still look like a lineup that sucks come the season, then the team context isn't good. And I think that takes a little bit of the wind out of Quintana's sails, but he's in that rotation in a pitcher's park with a lineup. I think will probably look good when the season starts um, and an approach that has led to low strikeouts, but also, um, you know, a decent amount of soft contact and poor e- and good ERAs in recent years. Well, yeah, Jose Quintana's changeup is uh, is w- super well spotted, um, and PLV doesn't really like it. But I mean, he get he gets the thing super down and everything. Um, and I've always loved that about him. But uh, it's really his entire approach is just it's really good command. And I remember noticing this. I will always reference this. 2021, early Jose Quintana was just so bad. I mean, really, really bad. 643 yeah. ERA in 2021. And I remember two separate games. One where he actually located all of his four seamers upstairs. And then one where he got all of his curveballs downstairs. And they both had success individually. He had terrible games. And I saw those go, man, if only like he could do both of those things at once. And then he did. In 2022, he was just locating everything perfectly. He did the triangle of four seamers upstairs and changeups down and away and um, uh, changeups down and arm side. And then this past year kind of matched it. But then, as you mentioned, introduced the sinker instead, which was good because right-handers were just having a field day against that four seamer. So he pulled back and threw more sinkers instead with it, which were much better. And he's really good at going down and away and peppering that with that sinker, which then allows him to perform far better on that changeup. Um, really good ICR rate on it. Not enough strikes on it. I think that's the element that actually will help Quintana if he can get back with that change of just a 54% strike rate against uh, against right-handers with it. But there's so much to like there. Um, I don't know. He's fine. Like, yes. Quintana's one of those guys that if you have nothing on the board uh, and you go, oh gosh, I need another starter. I have no idea what to do. And then you look and you go, okay, all right, uh, maybe this is going to work. Let's see. Well, who does he get? Well, he gets Milwaukee and then Detroit. So even if he's the number three or the four or the five, it doesn't matter. He'll get a good matchup first game. Fine. I'll take a chance on Quintana on that first week and then figure it out and replace him with someone else. Agreed. And and to me, again, that's more of a 15-team strategy than a 12-team than a strategy. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I'm more interested in doing that with him than somebody like Clark Schmidt or uh, Dean Kremer. Again, depending on what we see from Clark Schmidt in, in the spring right now, I just like, I don't know if he can fix the left-handed issues. Hey, at this moment. I'm with you. Uh, it's at Houston for four for the Yankees to start mm. the year. So that's not fun. Um, no. I mean, it's not going to, that's not going to stop me from Cortez or Rodon if I'm in. No. Also, you know, motor anything. Schmidt probably no. won't even be one of their top four starters. Um, he might come, be right now. He's the fourth. Right. So, um, y- Yamasoto. We'll yeah, the, y- the Yamasoto. Yamasoto, I love that so that's, much. And that's that's, uh, that's big on a group a group chat I'm on with a bunch of Yankee fans. They're just insufferable. Incredible. All they're talking about is awesome. Yamasoto um, all off season. And then at Arizona is after, which honestly I'm not really too thrilled about either uh, for the Yankees rotation. So I mean, I think Arizona's just getting better. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, they are. Yeah. So, but that's we did it. We did another 
batch I, of 10. We did. Are we going to get to a, a hundred and then just pick some of the guys we like after that? Yeah, we, I think that's what we're going to do because honestly, <laughs> we're getting so close, everyone, to my actual top one. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to get to the <laughs> end of it. We're just going to talk about them again. Yeah, we're going to do this all over again. Yeah, I mean, um, so we're going to, Eric and I are going to have those out in February. Then I think in January, we're going to be picking a lot of the fun things yeah Um, i'm excited because i've been building and tweaking my top 100 as we've been doing this um obviously things will change when pitchers sign um but i am excited that we can you know maybe have a podcast digging into just the the biggest you know differences and gaps or or whatever and you know try to people seem to enjoy i've been hearing on the twitterverse that people seem to enjoy when we don't agree on things and we share oh, our yeah. insights. Well, that's, that's great. Um, it's good to, um, that's always a nice thing. But at the same yeah. time for me, it's always nice when we agree because we, we agree independently. Sure. That's the fun part about it. Yes. We both come to the same place and then it's like, cool, why do we have different things? And uh, yeah. we often Why do we both think Die Hard is not a Christmas movie? I, not, I love this. Not, it's, not so really, it's not really about Christmas. It's not sensitive. It's really, it's, it's kind of funny. I've never really sat down and thought about it. I just, I don't know. I was like, sure, whatever, internet. It's a Christmas movie. And then when you had to actually truly ask me, I was like, wait a second. This isn't, this ain't right, guys. We can do right. better. It's not right. We but you know better. what is right? Talking about pitching with you. Things um, straight. It's been good, man. We're going to do it. We're going to do it again. We got, uh, we got 91. What? We got 91 to 100 coming at you people next time um and then we'll start getting into uh i guess some preseason content yeah fun stuff some of the fun stuff make sure you go to youtube uh watch nick's interview uh breaking down or not interview but just game pitch by pitch breakdown pablo lopez the aaron savali one will be will be up coming up um and yeah for uh oh and i was gonna say we haven't even talked about the the pelican and the lion in forever so if you're forgetting um if you just wonder why we keep doing this, uh, Nick and I were, were high school rivals, um, even yes. though I was older than Nick, so we never actually played against each other. But uh, my school was... I mean, the, I destroyed the, Packer every single time. The glorious the Packer Pelicans. <laughs> just kidding. The glorious Packer yeah. Pelicans. And Nick I was the Brooklyn Carroll Lions. Right. He was the Pelicans. So. Lions are played out. It's basically what, everything, we've, what we've come to. is like everybody's the Lions, right? It's like... At least we're not the Steamers. Show something original. The Which, by the so way, yes, terrible. that is why it's Steamer Projections. St. Anne's was the other rival school of ours. It was the triangle of rivals. Yeah. And they were the Steamers. And thus, that's why it's Steamer Projections, everyone. Is it really? Yes. They, they, it was uh, two students and a teacher from St. Anne's. I didn't know that. No. Yeah. That's great. I, I mean, right. you know, Look St. Anne's not so great, but that's I know. great. So. <laughs> no uh, grades? No grades? No grades, Eric? How am I supposed to compete? Oh my I don't know. How do you do that? How do you do that? Also, their gym, their gym is so small. I coached high school Oh my gosh. Well, the Packer one there. in high, middle school, though. There well, was literally no... Nick, it's a, like, it's a, it's a middle line. school gym. We're tiny, we're tiny people. I mean, St. Anne's is using that for high school kids. It's terrible. Oh, man. But that was that was like a sauna. The Packer Middle School gym? Oh, yeah. It's up in the roof. Yeah. That up was, in the, roof that was no, the worst thing. No ventilation. We had to open that doors. That was so bad. Yeah. And they had all the we, space, too, for like the bleachers. And yeah. then they're just like, but yeah, we're going to take this court in just to, in half. We would open this. Together. It was on the, it was a roof gym. And we would open these little like latch door windows that I honestly, to this day, don't really know why they had a door no idea. that would lead out to like a walkway by the roof. But in the middle of the winter, we would open them because it was just so hot in that gym. You're so, like, I can't do this. So bad. Um, so bad. I hope it's better now. 
I'm sure it is. Actually, Probably. I don't think the roof gym is yeah, that much better, but I'm sure know. the big one is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for all that, I am Eric Samolski, the Pelican. And I'm Nick Pollock, the Lion. And I'm going to go watch a real Christmas movie. And we'll see you next time on The Corner.